Hello. Hi. Hey, Crystal. How are we doing today, ladies? Great. Outstanding. Good, good, good. Well, welcome to Making of Her Story. Um, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, Heidi and I get together and talk to some absolutely fantastic women with some incredible pivotal moments. Um, and, you know, we want to welcome back those listeners that have hung tight with us. We did take a little bit of a summer break, but we've, we've launched a couple episodes um, since, since being back. And I know, Heidi, we had to take a little bit of a break for, from your side for some personal stuff, but welcome back to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a bit of a wild ride the last uh, couple of months professionally and personally, but really glad to be back. I'll tell you, Crystal, this show is my, my lifeline, and I realized taking that time off how important it is and how much I enjoy connecting with other women and hearing their stories. So, so happy to be back. So happy to have you. Miss you. All right. So today, and I don't know, Heidi, I'm assuming you want to do a little bit of an intro for our wonderful guest, Miss Marjorie, before she does her own. Um, do you want to maybe share a little bit about how you and Marjorie connected and, and why you wanted to showcase her amazing story on her story? Yeah. So Marjorie, welcome. Thank you. I am uh, really excited to introduce Marjorie to our Making of Her Story listeners today. I was actually introduced to Marjorie through one of my dear friends, who we also did a podcast on, which was Tony Portman. And um, these women are just doing incredible things on a global basis. And uh, as I, I was in Dallas visiting Tony and um, Marjorie came over for dinner and not only did you bring the most fantastic salad I've ever eaten in my life, which will never be duplicated. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, it, was, it was just healthy and fantastic. Marjorie started to share her life story with me and I just thought, oh my gosh, this is, she's perfect for making up for her story. So uh, Marjorie, I'm sure you'll go into, you know, talking more about your background, but um, I loved your book. Thank you for giving me a copy of Confessions of a Recovering Helpaholic, which um, I think many of us women uh, fall into that, that category. So we'd like to talk a little bit more about that. And then what also what you're doing with Great Girls Network and all the other amazing things that you're up to. Thank you. So do you want me to talk a little bit now? Yeah, why don't you, yeah. why don't you tell us, well, our listeners, a little bit about you? Well, I am, I'm an entrepreneur, and I, I think really what I do is, in terms of creativity, I, my entrepreneurial skills are really around people. I built a manufacturer's rep business back in, starting in 77 and sold it in 06, so that gives me a business background, but I really learned it from the ground up. And I, um, I was a secretary when I was um, uh, working in the movement, which was back in the late 60s. We were trying to stop the war in Vietnam and open up admissions to colleges and universities to people of color. So I've been involved in a lot of things, and I used the, my secretarial skills to actually fund my craziness early on. And then after that, I ended up becoming a Montessori teacher and I took the Montessori principles into my business and used them to 
build a business that actually worked for the people that were in the business and were served by the business. So I use that expertise in the coaching and consulting that I do today, which is under my People Biz Inc. Uh, umbrella. And what I did with People Biz Inc., for many years I, I coached and did team building and people development for entrepreneurial companies along while I was running my manufacturer's rep firm. So I've always had two businesses going. And uh, when I sold um, my Miller and Associates rep firm, I just spun off people biz and, and made it a separate entity. And I've now stopped doing the team building and people development because it takes a lot of time and energy and I'm not that interested. So now I just coach a select group of people that I feel like I resonate with. So that's kind of what I do now in terms of make money. And the money I make coaching is what's funding Great Girls Network, which is a social venture under the umbrella of people biz. I didn't create a nonprofit. I, I think a new way of doing things is to create social ventures that um, serve but don't have to go through the rigmarole of the nonprofit world or try to raise funds from uh, that take away from other people that really need the funds. I don't want to do that. So eventually we will spin off Great Girls Network into another international organization, but right now it's in its growing stage. And the purpose of Great Girls Network is to help women build meaningful networks, make connections. We don't uh, network like men and we don't want to be like men. We want to be like ourselves. So this is a path to the freedom of authenticity and connection, et cetera. So there's your little brief outline. Absolutely amazing. And I, I, I really do like that because, you know, I'm interested in your perspective around, the, you know, I think in business, so often men or women try to emulate men, right? And I think that your recognition that we're different and the way we communicate are different, our skills are different. Um, you know, how, how did you sort of come to that realization and, and how are you addressing that as a part of Great Girls Network? Well, you talk about pivotal moments. One of the pivotal moments for me was when I found out as I was running my rep business that some people perceived me to be bitchy. And I realized it was because I was underhanded in my office. I, I needed more people to help me. And I was trying to answer phones constantly and take care of people's problems. And because I was quick and fast on the phone, they thought I was being rude to them or not connecting. And I saw, because those were the people that were the customer service people that we sold equipment to, and they were women. And I thought, you know, this doesn't work. So I started going out in the field and recreating relationships with them. This is in the um, early 80s. And I realized I have to build relationships. Sales is all about relationships. It's not about selling products. It's about building and educating uh, people and, and truly building connections. So that has been ingrained in me since that time. And so it just became a natural thing that later on, I would just see it as something that uh, when I looked around after I kind of stopped doing mostly my own work and, and, and my own coaching or my own building my business, I started looking around, what do women really need? And to me, we've got to change the format of institutionalized patriarchy that we are all subject to. I think it is as detrimental to men as it is to women. I think men thinking women should be like them is completely insane. And men so benefit from the women that work for them. You, you'll never meet a great CEO who does 
doesn't have an executive secretary that runs his business. True. And it's a woman. And I mean, I found that when I was doing, working with Count Me In in New York City and we were raising money from American Express and AIG and all these different people. And they all had women doing the connection work. And so it's always about connection. But we as women need to step back and observe ourselves and understand we have a right to make connections in the way we choose, not in the way we're told to. Yeah, I love that. I yeah, love that's, that. that's really powerful. You know, I think um, it's really interesting when you, when you said the, um, you know, for whatever, you know, powerful man has a strong EA and, and that sort of thing. And I think if, if company cultures or even life, you know, society could realize that um, we all balance each other right? Like we were all given these different experiences and gifts. And um, we, so in order to work together well, rather than having the expectation that somebody needs to be like someone else, um, I think we'd be a much more effective society than we are today. I completely agree with you, Crystal. And I think that is part of why it's so important for women to be about that awareness today, because we're the ones who are in the vanguard of, ch of social change. And the, the, the turmoil we're seeing in our world is going to be changed by the women, not men. Yeah, but the women are our future, right? <laughs> they really are. They really are. And it's not because we don't like men. We love men. I mean, I, I, I don't, can't imagine a world without men. I can't even fathom it. But we need to step up and be our true authentic selves so that they benefit from that as well as we benefit from them getting to be their authentic selves. A lot of men would just love to relinquish the role of all-powerful hero, you know, saving everything. They're, they're, they don't know what to do. If they, if they did, they would have done it. <laughs> so true. How, how do you address in your consulting work that you're doing today. Um, you know, what I also find is that not only are there some, you know, conflicts, I guess, in turn, you know, men versus women, but also I find, especially in the senior executive ranks, that women are often not very kind to each other either. Uh, why, you know, what do you think that's about? Well, they've bought into the male. Um, you see, everyone has a masculine and feminine side. Mm -hmm. Everyone. So a lot of times women who go into the corporate world tend to take on a masculine dominant role because they feel that that's the way they can compete and win. And if they stop doing that and step back and realize it's not about competing and winning, that is the shadow side of masculine. Whereas there is a collaborative way for women and men to work together. But part of the competing and winning is to undermine other people who are possible competitors or rivals. Mm -hmm. And so women taking that on because it's such a shadow side. I don't know if you've talked much about shadow and the Jungian concept of what's in the shadow and what's disowned parts and all of that kind of stuff I've studied for years. What happens is when you see women doing that, it's because they have had a, a, a false notion that that's the way they're going to make it in that world. And in fact, they don't really make it because they're also disdained by the men who see them as competition to them too. So it backfires on them. So 
what it takes is people actually building consensus among everyone of how to approach situations from a collaborative way instead of I'm right and you're wrong. I, one of the things I say to clients, do you want to be right or do you want to be really right? <laughs> you know, right is I'm right with my hands on my hips standing there and really right is open armed, inclusive, uh, transparent. All of those things are around, but you will find them more in entrepreneurial companies than you find in the corporate world. So if you've got somebody in a corporate position, you really have to address that. And that's one of the reasons I don't do corporate coaching. I have close friends that do, and I refer other people to them, because I prefer to work on the entrepreneurial level in business and on the individual coaching. I coach families, you know, marriage coaching, life coaching, and business coaching, but I do it from a much more inclusive, transparent direction. Uh, hundred percent agree. So take us back to to the early days of Marjorie. You mentioned, you know, your your activism. I'd love to hear a little more about that and and how that perhaps. Well, I was at college. Who you are today, right? I, I went, when I went to college. I my, I majored in home economics and drama because I was determined I was going to be. A, a, a singer dancer on Broadway and also I still loved all of the domestic things and the ways that homes worked because I'm a Virgo and I love that kind of stuff. So I, I came home for Christmas vacation and was in a car crash. I went on a blind date and he drove into a light post and my foot was ripped off to the side and my back was injured and my arm was broken and I ended up not going back to college in California and recovering and um, Previous to that, I had been in Spain for the summer. My parents sent me and my older sister to Spain when I was 17 to, to take a course in Spanish. And what I learned there was that there was a Vietnam War. And this was 1965, and I really didn't understand all that stuff because I was a, you know, a crazy teenager doing all the crazy stuff teenagers did in high school back in the 60s. And when I got back from Spain, ended up with that car crash, ended up in my house with nothing but television to, while I got wheeled in front of a TV, I started seeing what the world was, what was going really on in the world. Plus, friends of mine were doing sit-ins at cafeterias, trying to open um, service to call people of color. It was a real time of turmoil in 1965, 1966. And I just, I just really woke up. And from that moment on, I became someone committed to making a difference in the world. And it never, it never stopped. I did it in many, many ways. I, um, I was a part of the Students for a Democratic Society. I created SDS chapters. And um, I got chased by the FBI around the country because they said I incited a riot at the University of Houston when some kids tore up the student center. I dealt with all that. I ended up in a commune in Vermont, getting over it, <laughs> and then coming back to Texas and ended up going to Montessori training school in Mexico City with a four-week-old baby that I happened to end up with because I got pregnant and couldn't, didn't want to get an abortion. So all of that led me to this other path of combining my activism with a spiritual approach, which I learned from Montessori and the people that I studied with there. And it opened my eyes to a more metaphysical, spiritual approach to being an activist. And that's how I have lived since, um, really since 1971, when I had my baby. I just became, that summer while I was pregnant, I read, read Black Elk Speaks. I, I, I learned about 
the indigenous people's struggles. I just became this very aware person that couldn't turn back and go any other way. But the problem for me was that I had a business. Once I stopped teaching Montessori, I went into the family business and built it. And my spiritual side was on one side and my business side was on the other side. And so by 1992, it was imperative that I correct that. And I ended up with autoimmune disease and that knocked me down for a while and made me figure out how to put, spin it, spin the vortex so that they work together. And that's was my turning point for um, changing how I went about being in business and being an activist in life. And that's when I really upped and uh, upped the coaching to the level that I have it now. I don't know if that makes sense. Was that a long, too long of a story? <laughs> no, it was awesome. There were like 50, 50 pivotal moments all in that one. one. <laughs> well, but, yeah, yeah. When you're like me, you pivot constantly. I don't think there are, most people don't have one pivotal moment. And I, that's what I hope I help people understand when I, I say with my coaching, I help people think because people just don't know how to think and see themselves differently. Yeah, and my favorite thing is for someone to say, oh, I never thought about it that way. That's, that is the highlight of my moment and my day when someone says that. Just see it differently. See how it served you. And one of the things I'm committed to is helping people see that just as my getting my foot ripped off when I was um, 18 years old is as big a blessing to me as the day that I got a divorce from the various husbands that I married until I was 42 and quit getting divorces because every single tragedy, every single difficulty has the seed of blessing and can be turned into gold. And so my higher purpose is to, I believe we're here to love ourselves, each other and our lives, master the business of life and turn our lead into gold. And so that's what I live and how, what I attempt to teach other people to do. And so those pivotal moments are the lead moments that they can turn into gold and make their lives richer. Crystal, you probably want to just jump through the phone right now and give her a hug. I, yeah, I was going to say, I just love that. And I mean, Marjorie, I know you and I haven't met face to face yet, but we're definitely kindred spirits somehow. And I think, you know, um, I often go back and forth because the work that I do is, you know, stress related uh, most of the time. And you know, people have all of these experiences that have happened to them. And sometimes it's hard to get out of the mindset of these things happen to me instead of for me, right? Exactly. Um, and I think that if people could have the same ambition that you have and the same gumption and, and just desire to leverage the experiences to be better in the world, um, you know, people in, in general would just be better for themselves and everybody around them. So I couldn't well, agree with you more. Yeah. You know, every single day people say, well, does your ankle hurt? I have an ankle replacement joint now and it's got traumatic arthritis and 24 seven, my ankle hurts. But I look at it as a reminder that I can't stand on my masculine side. I have to have my feminine side balance me all the time. And I, I, I don't mind that pain. It's not something that makes my life bad. It really makes my life good. Because if, it, as, as you can see by how I talk and how you ask me a question and I just go wham right through, I could have steamrolled through life and really been either miserable or dead early if I hadn't been tempered 
by the crash that created a, 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 a balancer for me so that I could learn how to balance masculine and feminine. That's why I have so much empathy with women who overdo the masculine side in business because I know I've been there. I understand you do it because you feel like you have to in order to make it. And it's just so important that we see that's not true. And so, uh, you know, I can't find anything. I have never found, I have had clients with rape, murder, incest, suicide issues, um, whether it's them or someone in their family or someone close to them. I mean, I have dealt with business failures every in the 46 years I've been coaching. I can't think of one time ever that we couldn't have turned it into gold if the client was willing and found the blessing in it. And it's just a fact of life to me now, because I believe there's a higher order in life and we're all governed by some form of infinite intelligence or divine order. You can call it God. You can call it, whatever you want to call it, but we are, are in something bigger than ourselves and we have to find the order. And that's what to me, turn lead into gold is, is finding the order, find the hidden order. There is something good here. Just find it. Right. And when you can shift your thinking to finding the good and finding the higher order, you get your mind off of the negative. And poor me. Poor, right. poor, me. poor me, the victim. So much of therapy is victimology. And that's why I, I, I don't hang out with therapists. And I don't even hang out with a lot of uh, life coaches. Because to me, they don't get it. And it's not my problem. I, I'm not worried about what anybody else does. I just know what I'm here to do. I love that. Well, I, I think we're getting sort of close to the end of our time, Marjorie, and I, I, I just could let you go on and on and on and on. Um, Thank but you. I, I have to set some boundaries because I will, and then you know, then the podcast just changes. So. Um, so I guess before we, you know, sort of wrap up, first of all, thank you for sharing all of your pivotal moments and for, again, highlighting the fact that there's definitely more than one. We've, we've realized that. And I think sometimes people wait for the one without seeing what is right in front of them. Mm -hmm. um, but so was there anything that you wanted to share with our listeners with regards to learning you, you know, getting to know you better or learning more about the work that you do? Sure. I have published two books on Amazon. If people don't know, it's really easy to self-publish on Amazon now. So they don't charge you to do it. I did hire an editor to help me compile the books properly. But I have two books. One is called Confessions of a Recovering Helpaholic, in which I wrote a 12-step program for people who help everybody else more than they help themselves. Um, I'll just give you a little hint of the first three steps of the 12-step program. Step number one is uh, add a little cynicism to your life. Ask yourself what's in it for me. Because most helpaholics just jump in and help before they realize, wait a minute, it might not work for me. And the second one is um, stop taking responsibility for other people's experiences. And the third one is be kinder to yourself. So those are the first three steps of the 12-step program. So maybe that's a teaser to get people to realize it's a great book to buy. It's on Amazon. It's available in Audible, on Kindle, or buy hard copy. And it's like, it's $10 on that, $5 for Kindle. And I don't know what the Audible cost is. They don't tell you. And, anyway. and I, I can endorse the book. It is so phenomenal. I read it and I'll, I'll tell you, it was, I, it, it really made me think about things differently because 
And Crystal, you're this way as well. I, I just think we're all about, you know, trying to give back and to help people, but there were really some great advice in there about how to be sure you're taking care of yourself at the same time as you're trying to change the world. It doesn't mean we stop helping other people. It means we right. do it on terms that work for us. That, right, on our terms. Stop selling yeah. our souls to help other people. That's right. That's right. The second and okay and not feel guilty about that, right? Exactly. There, there has to be a purpose and something that benefits you, which is exactly and be okay with that. And the second book I published is called Sound Business Bites, which is really an update of a book I wrote 25 years ago when a lot of people were asking me, how do you run your business and how does it work? So I created this book that just has these little short pages on Little bits, they're just sound business bites on how to think about customer service and management. Anybody in the entrepreneurial world or anybody in business benefits from reading this book. So I updated it as a look back in how it was when I ran my business as opposed to what it was like as I was running my business. And it's also available on Amazon and on Kindle. Um, so I don't have the Audible done on that yet. So those are the two books that I hope people go look up and learn something from. Um, because I, I think they're, they're, to me, they're my gift to the world. It's not about selling books. It's really about sharing ideas that really help people think differently. It's so important to me. And Marjorie, can you talk a little bit just uh, about how people, our listeners can learn more about Great Girls Network? We have a website, greatgirlsnetwork.org, and there's a place to go on and sign up for our newsletter. We are slowly expanding. We started in the DFW area. It's been around now since 2013, and in 2017, we started building an actual membership organization here in the DFW area, Dallas-Fort Worth area. And um, it has legs now. It's got some. It's got stability, and I'm just growing it slowly. We've got a new chapter starting in Chicago, and um, we're looking to start one in Austin, one in New York City, and maybe Heidi, you and Crystal will do one in New Hampshire. But it's going to grow slowly so that it doesn't get away from itself. And eventually, I see it as an international organization that encourages women to bring their authentic selves 24/7 to every place and experience they have. And it's a start by being able to be in a sacred space with women and actually be able to talk about things from an authentic, authentic place in a safe space. It's really, it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. That's awesome. And Crystal, uh, where can people find us or if they're interested? We're always interested in, in um, people, proactively reaching out if, if they have a story to share. We'd love to highlight them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Making of Her Story, on Twitter at Of Her Story, and Facebook, Making of Her Story. And, you know, if you're not comfortable sharing your story but want to nominate someone else, please feel free to do so. We'll be happy to do the legwork. So we are just trying to get as many pivotal moments out there in the world as we possibly can. So um, like Marjorie says, be authentic and be yourself, and we'd love to have you. Marjorie, thanks so much for joining us today. It was my pleasure. I'm so grateful to get the opportunity to talk about all this stuff. It's just fun. Thank you so much, Marjorie. All right, you ladies have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.